Welcome to the Best of Agile and Scrum podcast series by Agile Cockpit, accelerating organizations through data-driven transformation. My name is Martin, and I am your host. Today, I am joined by Rick Friedman, author of The Agile Consultant. Hi, Rick. Thank you for joining us today. Before we start, could you tell us a little bit about yourself? Sure. I have uh, been an Agile coach uh, for a long time, since the uh, Agile movement started. I was at Intel when... uh, uh, they first started to adopt uh, Agile in the software and uh, systems group um, back in uh, 2003, 2004. Um, and so um, when I left Intel in 2006, I immediately went out and started to do uh, some Agile consulting and coaching because I came, became a big Agile advocate pretty early. Um, and since then, I've been at uh, State Street, I've been at uh, Chase, I've been at uh, McKinsey for a minute. Um, uh, I am now at uh, Bank of America uh, doing Agile coaching with their teams. Um, I'm the author of The Agile Consultant, uh, my fourth book on IT consulting. Um, And like everybody else, I'm uh, learning how to do this uh, from the comfort of my apartment uh, because there's no going out. Uh, Exactly, exactly. So thanks for that introduction. And that is exactly what we're going to talk about today. So... um, because now that we're all remote, we also have to coach remote as Agile coaches. So uh, obviously you have a lot of experience as an Agile coach and part of that has been in a remote setting. So uh, what are things that you've noticed that are different compared to in-person coaching when you're talking about remote Agile coaching? Well, uh, you know, I was lucky enough to be uh, engaged in a project. I was uh, managing a global services unit for uh, uh, NEC uh, out in California. And we had a client, uh, a a large biotech firm, um, and we were building, uh, they were moving from catalog to online, and we were building an online application for their customers. Um, And as part of that, uh, we had a very distributed team. I had a database expert in in Boston. I had another one in Berkeley. Um, I had a project manager who was from Kansas City. Um, and then we had a Java team in India um, and, uh, and a content management team in India. And so we had to learn pretty quick how to make this work. That was really my first experience. Obviously, at Intel, we had some folks uh, worldwide, but I was really working just with project managers. This was my first experience working with real agile remote teams. Um, and we really struggled at the beginning. We had very difficult time coordinating activities. We had very difficult time um, ensuring communication. Um, and so we incrementally learned a lot of lessons that I think are still pertinent. Um, we set up a war room. Um, we, had, we hadn't done that for about the first three months, and then we realized that we needed to touch base daily. Um, and then uh, when we found out that that really was still too remote, we set up a couple of um, large screen TVs in the war room so that we could see each other and talk to each other and have a feeling of closeness. Um, and when that turned out not to be enough, we also set up another large screen TV where we could all actually see the code that we were working on or the uh, prototypes that we were viewing. Um, and so we uh, sort of incrementally uh, improved the process until we got to a situation where every morning at eight o'clock in the morning, we were getting together with all of the remote folks scattered around the US and the remote folks uh, out in India. And we started to really uh, coalesce as a team by using some of those mechanisms. Um, and so, and, and, and that was probably five years ago, six years ago. Um, and, you know, it's gratifying to see that some of those ideas that we experimented with back then um, have come into general practice. 
this uh, around the world and in the agile world especially. Um, and so right now I am coaching uh, four teams uh, at the bank where I am contracted. Um, and we are using some of the same mechanisms. We're using um, WebEx uh, for conversations. Uh, we are using uh, um, you know, a, an internal bank product for looking at the code together at the same time. Uh, we are you know, using the mechanisms of Agile, the daily stand-ups and backlog refinements, et cetera, um, to make sure that we are all communicating, that we're all on the same page and that we are clear. Um, so you know, my, my view is that the substantive issues of remoteness are, are the easiest to solve. The cultural and team cohesion aspects are where the real difficulties lie. And those are the places where I think, you know, we still have some experimenting to do because it's still very hard to make the remote folks on a diff in a diff different time zone um, with a different culture feel like they are integral elements of the team. Um, so so that, that's been my sort of learning experience and experimenting experience with this. Excellent. Are there, are there any things that you've tried with regards to the cultural change that you want to instigate in an organization with remote teams? Well, yeah, you know, one of the things that we are doing now at the bank is we're having a uh, sort of um, a team celebrations where everybody is remotely, or, or, you know, or virtually connected. Um, and we're trying to inject a little bit of, you know, human interaction to that process. So we have every, every after every uh, two-week iteration, uh, we carve out a 90-minute session where all the teams, no matter where they are uh, physically located, get together. And, and our number one rule is no business conversations allowed. Um, and so we're talking about birthdays. We're talking about babies being born. We're talking about the weather. We're talking about, you know, what we're doing in quarantine uh, uh, lately. Um, and, and I have definitely seen a big improvement based on that sort of interaction. Uh, we, you know, uh, it's very difficult to make a relationship with a disembodied voice on the telephone. Um, and so the ability to um, see each other and to put a name to the face and to spend a little bit of time, you know, not talking about technical solutions or any of that stuff, but just talking about, you know, who had a new baby, who went on a vacation, you know, who's writing music in their little apartment, whatever it is, has been big, big plus. Uh, for us, and, and, and those are things that we have obviously decided to uh, uh, integrate into our practice. Um, so, so is it perfect? Obviously not. Uh, but in this, you know, in this lockdown uh, period, nothing's going to be perfect. You can't, you can't right? Yeah, you can't touch. You can't. Uh, you know, you, you have to be innovative and creative about how you're going to uh, make this uh, uh, cultural interaction work. Right. And the circumstances are now forcing us to come up with these ideas, generate new experiments that we can run. And uh, this sounds like a very good one, a very valid one. Um, so um, having said that, is there anything that works better when coaching people and teams remotely as compared to in-person uh, coaching? So what are some of the advantages that we're looking at? Well, that, that's a tough one. Um, and, you know, and, and when we talked about this earlier, I've been kind of racking my brain. I, I think that, you know, the obvious economic benefits are clear to everybody. Nobody um, doesn't understand that, um, you know, being able to go to lower cost uh, locations um, is, is helpful financially. Um, I am a big fan of the idea that the more broadly diverse a team is, the more likely you are to get the best ideas. I, I strongly believe 
that uh, team intelligence is always superior to even the, most, the smartest person on the team. Um, and uh, because the bank is uh, international, um, those, those viewpoints are very important. Um, and so, you know, understanding how the bank interacts with customers in India, in Romania, in San Jose, Costa Rica, in all of the places where we have remote individuals um, makes a big difference. Um, and, and obviously the ability to tap low cost resources is always important. Um, you know, I, I would never be one to pretend that it's okay to disregard the agile concepts of, you know, team co-location. I still think that there's tremendous benefit in that if it's feasible, but obviously in the current circumstances, it's not feasible, uh, both due to the um, pandemic, but also just uh, due to the worldwide nature of what we're doing um, and the fact right. that uh, you've got to get those economic benefits to be competitive. Um, exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. That that makes a lot of sense. That makes a lot of sense. So uh, you mentioned uh, the the agile core values uh, a little bit. So how do you think the agile manifesto supports remote working in general? Are there any incompatibilities that you're seeing? Well, clearly, we just mentioned the co-location um, ideas that are that are uh, throughout the agile uh, uh, theory. Um, everybody, I think, uh, at the beginning recognized the idea that the team being together and being able to to build a team culture and a team esprit de corps is a, is a critical element of, of this. Um, um, so um, individuals and interactions over processes and tools, uh, uh, clearly there are some processes and tools that are, that, that are needed to do this. You, you and I are using Zoom right now, you know, we're using WebEx at the bank. So, so there is necessarily a larger dependence on those sorts of tools. And frankly, I believe there's a larger independence on uh, process tools like JIRA or Rally, et cetera, just so that we have transparency to what everybody's doing and how, you know, and how we're all progressing. Um, so, so there are clearly some incompatibilities, but uh, again, you know, I think with some innovation and creativity, you can create a, an environment that feels co-located, even if it's not. And I think that's the, um, direction that all of this is going to be moving in. How can we make the remote worker feel as integrated into the organization as the person who's going into the bank's headquarters in San Francisco or New York or Jersey City where I am? Um, so, uh, you know, it's very challenging and I think there are clearly incompatibilities, um, but, um, you know, we've been working through those incompatibilities even before this, um, forced distancing and now there's no alternative um, and so uh, you know whether it's us adjusting or the expectation the theory expectations adjusting um, this this changes everything right so, right right makes it makes a lot of sense and I, I, I think that moving forward uh, you mentioned the lockdown um, it, we're, we're not yet seeing the end of it so moving forward working remotely will be a considerable uh, bigger part of our futures. Sure. Um, what are your thoughts on that? How do you think that will impact or change agile coaching? Well, well, um, from my perspective, from my experience, it's a lot easier to communicate, to build an esprit de corps, to build a culture, to do training, 
to do coaching, to do mentoring when you're in the same room with somebody. You could pull somebody into a room, uh, get up on the whiteboard, have have that conversation. You can pull a small group of folks together and do a little training, use the stories, what's the definition done, that kind of stuff. Those things are challenging to do remotely. Um, and I think, again, you know, the tools that allow us to whiteboard remotely, to, co to conversate remotely, et cetera, are going to become more and more uh, of an integral element of, of what we're doing. Um, and uh, I think that, uh, frankly, there's going to be a bit of a shakeout in the coaching world. Those folks who are not able to adjust their practice uh, to these new realities are going to struggle. Um, you know, the, the folks that I call practice coaches, the ones who are just focused on um, the compliance with scrum guide practices, I think are going to have a much more challenging road ahead um, if they don't have the ability to communicate clearly and to, and to bridge different cultures and to understand uh, that, you know, what a word means in the United States could be completely different. You know, grooming is a perfect example uh, of... Yep you know, of those language sensitivities that you've got to be uh, um, aware of and comfortable with and be able to navigate. And so I think those coaches that can navigate diversity, that can navigate, you know, uh, widely different cultures, and that can extend their influence um, beyond the room are going to have a, a, a large uh, um, step up from those who struggle with those things. Um, and so I, I think that's going to be... Um, a major change uh, and I think organizations are going to have to change as well um, from my perspective economic benefits are great it's nice to be able to outsource a big chunk of your work to India or Costa Rica or Romania or wherever it is um, but now your organizations that want to be successful at this are going to have to figure out much more robust ways of bringing those people into the corporate culture, of making right. feel like they are part of the organization, um, of, you know, of, of bridging those gaps. It's not just the coaches who are going to need to bridge those gaps, but it's going to be organizations that need to bridge them as well. And I feel like we have a long way to go as far as that's concerned. One of the major complaints that I hear from the remote workers that I coach and work with is that they feel remote. They don't feel like they are part of the organization. They're, they don't feel like they're getting the same benefits. They don't feel like they're getting the same attention. Um, I think it's, from my experience, it's been very endemic in lots of these organizations that they are treated as sort of second-class citizens or bodies for hire. Uh, and they're, and they're, the work that they are given is, is usually the most tactical, you know, what, what is disparagingly called grunt work. Um, and I think that's going to have to change. I don't think you can have a two-tier system uh, with everyone remote. Um, you've got to have, a, a, you know, a one-team mentality uh, and bring those remote workers into the loop of the organization. Uh, um, otherwise, this ain't going to work. Right. You, you don't just want to, like you mentioned, you don't just want the people that are remote or not from like the home country where the, where the organization is located. You don't want them to just focus on a tactical stuff, but you want to be able to have everybody operate as a single unit on a more strategic level. And that's, I, I totally agree. That's one of the bigger challenges. Okay. So uh, my, my final question for today uh, is what would be your number one recommendation for agile coaches out there that are suddenly faced with remote coaching while they might not have any experience with that? Well, um, you know, my advice in this realm is pretty much the same advice that I give to any coach in any circumstance, which is focus on the human element. 
Um, I, you know, you know my pet peeve. I am not a fan of scrum guide carrying agile practice coaches whose only method of coaching is to point to the scrum guide and say, do this. Um, I'm much more um, enthusiastic about coaches that I meet who have that human touch, who understand uh, the human elements. For, you know, from my perspective, agile is really a human practice. It's not a technical practice. And so coaches that can keep their eye on the ball in terms of those human elements and treat their remote workers as human beings and, and be sensitive to those human and cultural elements you know that that's where the juice lies not in you know are you using zoom no i'm using webex who cares about that stuff uh, right you know what i what i'm interested in is can you make a human connection between yourself and the folks that you're coaching and between the teams that are remotely connected so that they all feel like they're part of the uh of the team and have that common uh spirit and that common culture Right. Focus on the human parts or, or, or the humanics of it and don't focus on the entire tactical side of operations because that's secondary to that human interaction, those human connections. Right, right. I mean, it's the distinction between those who look at uh, Agile as a new software development methodology and those who look at it as a whole different way of thinking about business right. operations. Um, exactly. Obviously, uh, from my perspective, it's all about B. Rick, thank you very much for joining us. That was it for this podcast. I hope to see you next time. Thank you for joining.